0: Hi, everybody. Stefan Molyneux from Freedom in Radio here with Mike. And we are going to talk about the very first well, in this series vice presidential debate, the only vice presidential debate between Tim, Kaine, yeah, between Tim Kaine and Mike Pence. And uh, I, I opened it. I was watching some station and Mike Pelle was on talking about it. And he set the stage, you know, as people are generally want to do if they happen to be trending a little bit left, as I assume he does, because he said, well, Uh, Tim Kaine has the easier job tonight because Mike Pence has to try and help Trump recover from a bloody week of self-inflicted wounds. And it's like, oh, good. That's the very first statement that you're going to make about this entire situation. Way to set the stage. Way to stay neutral. Yeah, I was watching, uh,
1: I have a sling box, and I was watching on CNN. It's the only time I ever turn on CNN. And stop the bleeding was the term that was used for uh, the lead up to this. Mike Pence has to stop the bleeding brought about by Donald Trump, you know, tweeting at 3 a.m. because somehow tweeting at 3 a.m. is some terrible thing. So we're going into this as, you know, oh, man, Mike Pence really has an uphill battle here going against Tim Kaine. And looking at it from a third party standpoint, no one knows who these people are. I mean, the, fundamentally, the American people. Don't know who Tim Kane is. They don't know who Mike Pence are. This is going to be like an introduction for most of the country to these people. And what did we get? You know, I thought Tim Kane coming straight out how he could have helped Hillary the most was by appearing like a normal human being, appearing somewhat like being somewhat yeah. affable. Instead, he appeared to be one of the most disgusting human beings I think I've ever seen on television for the span of ninety minutes. <laughs> the idea of seeing this guy in any position of power. Over the course of the next four years or more, or the fact that Hillary Clinton, whose health is somewhat questionable, the guy, the idea that this guy could be president.
0: Well, OK, so he seemed like a bit of an overcaffeinated yappy dog, Constantus Interruptus, I think would be his Latin name. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I mean, I just kind of assume that snarky interrupty stuff from the left. Uh, but it, it seemed to hit you in a particular direction that it didn't quite strike me. So what uh, what was about what about him was so repulsive to you?
1: Well, it's not just me, too. I was looking in uh, some of the focus groups that have come out earlier saying that he scored really, really badly with a lot of the insult stuff. And trudging up every single comment that Donald Trump has made and that the media has spun over the course of the last year plus. You know, the Donald Trump called all Mexicans rapist trope, which, again, folks, if you hear that, if someone tells you that, they're lying to you and they don't respect your ability to discern truth from falsehood. They're just lying to you. Again, I'll read the quote. When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending the best. They're sending people that have lots of problems, and they're bringing those problems. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people. But I speak to border guards, and they're telling us what we're getting. Nowhere in there does Donald Trump say all Mexicans are rapists. He points to specific studies that show people being raped as they cross the border, which means that, yes, there are rapists coming into the country from Mexico. This is not disputed. So, again, when people bring up Donald Trump called all Mexicans rapists, they're lying to you. And that was like one of the first things that ended up coming out. Kane went on the offensive from the start trying to pin Pence into the corner of, will you defend this outrageous thing that Donald Trump didn't actually say. But the media spun in a way that now you have to defend it. And Pence would look at him like, what, what, what? And then the moderator would interrupt as he attempted to defend him or say something on it. But yeah, so the first one was Mexican rapists. We went to birtherism, you know, the Obama birth certificate stuff, which again has been detailed ad nauseum by even mainstream journalists started in the Hillary Clinton campaign. So Donald Trump, Donald Trump said something about this thing that Hillary Clinton started. Okay, if it's so bad, then it goes back to Hillary even more so than Trump. All right. John McCain, the war hero. Okay. John McCain called Donald Trump supporters crazies, and Donald Trump jousted back with him. Okay. We're going to hang on that point until the end of time. Oh, God. Rosie O'Donnell. Yes, he said derogatory things about Rosie O'Donnell. Rosie O'Donnell started that thing, calling Donald Trump all kinds of names and going after him when he when he suggested that, um not sure if it was Miss Universe or what, pageant it was but there was a pageant contestant that uh, won and she had a lot of drug and alcohol problems and donald trump got her to rehab and for that rosie o'donnell attacked him and called him lots of names and trump as is prone to do fired back so again okay yes he said mean things about someone that said mean things about him there's a lot of people in a lot of places in the united states that are suffering and the idea that we're going to go back to twitter comments rosie o'donnell john mccain birtherism and mexican rapist comments that didn't happen For 90 minutes was exhausting and disgusting to me.
0: Well, and and to the uh, credit of the moderator, it's not what her uh, questions had anything to do with. And it is this weird thing that happens on the left where they basically say women are equal to men. Women are just as strong as men. Women can do everything that men can do. But heaven forbid you say anything mean to a woman 10 or 20 years ago, that will be dredged up. Why isn't anyone mentioning the fact that Donald Trump has said mean things about men? Are men not supposed to have feelings? I mean, is it only women? So it's this like weird white knighting plus pure equality between the genders. I just – it's such a Gordian knot of confusion that I just – I don't know which way is up when it comes to their idea of gender.
1: Are people – I mean, is the argument seriously that Hillary Clinton over the years has never made derogatory comments about women? I think there are some credible uh, accusers of Bill Clinton that would have something to say about that. And matter of fact, they do have something to say about that. I mean, this just, you've been alive in public space for 70 years. You've said things, and now we're going to drudge up every comment that's been twisted. It's so tired. It's so tired. And the thing is, it doesn't work. It really doesn't work. If this stuff worked, Donald Trump wouldn't have won the Republican nomination. You know, the mainstream media's approval ratings and trust numbers wouldn't be falling through the floor. You know, this stuff doesn't work, and again, the fact that Kane made it pretty much the focus of the debate was to trudge up all these nonsense quotes and remarks that the American people clearly don't care about. I don't know. I just, I don't understand the strategy. I don't understand the point. I think he really shot himself in the foot and hurt Hillary Clinton's chances of becoming president, which I'm I'm fine with. But he came off, he actually came off worse from a temperament standpoint, if we're going to use that word, than Hillary did in the last debate. I mean, he came off like just a very vicious, vengeful person. And Mike Pence, one quality that Mike Pence has, and I got some qualms about Mike Pence in other areas, but Mike Pence comes off as generally likable if you see him for the first time for 90 minutes. and He's sitting there aw shucks with corn growing behind him as it is wont to do and uh, being on the receiving end of all these attacks while at the same time being criticized for Donald Trump's campaign being the attack campaign. I mean, you couldn't have worse optics for the Hillary Clinton campaign coming out of this debate.
0: Well, he, he's he got this solidity to him, this sort of unflappability. To him? Pence or Cain? Uh, sorry, uh, Pence does. Mm. Uh, you know, Kane, Kane looks sort of excitable, and uh, I mentioned this on Twitter. He sort of looks like um, if if the Joker had eaten Mr. Rogers, he would come out looking like Tim Cain. Uh, Mike Pence, on the other hand, looks like an exquisitely aged Ken doll of inflappability. <laughs> and I saw some of the focus groups afterwards and the Undecideds. Um, Uh, separate from the deplorables, which we'll get to in a moment, but the undecided voters uh, almost unanimously said that this was going to positively affect their view of the Trump campaign. And I think only one or two uh, said that it was uh, the Keynes performance was going to positively affect their view of the Clinton campaign. So so for the undecided, it seemed to be a solid win for the Trump campaign, which is why, of course, I would assume some people can take some comfort in knowing why uh, it might be that Donald Trump did pick uh, Pence to be his VP.
1: Yep, no doubt. Certainly, if your first introduction to uh, these people was this debate, I can't imagine you're coming out with a more positive likability impression of Kane than you did Mike Pence. And given that uh, you know temperament has been the tone and the buzzword that's been used a lot, I mean Mike Pence came off as a guy that was being berated, Tim Cain came off as a total jerk, and that certainly helps the Trump campaign. Now there's <laughs> there's a Steph, there's a lot of things thrown out in this debate that, I mean they were coming a mile a minute and it's tough to keep track, but I did make some notes. There was this comment that Donald Trump's, you know, not paying taxes that he didn't owe somehow either caused 9-11 or didn't allow for New York to be rebuilt after 9-11. That came from Tim Kaine.
0: Yeah, no. So to just so people understand, and you really need to relax and, and massage out your logic centers to follow this particular train of I thought, I think, would be a, a colloquial phrase for it. But it goes something like this. So um, Trump wants to rebuild the military in, in America, which is seriously depleted after, you know, whatever decade and a half of war and, and on all that sort of stuff. And uh, kane 's point was that Trump can't be possibly serious about rebuilding the military, because to rebuild the military, you need tax revenue, and Trump doesn't pay his taxes. And so uh, apparently, apparently, uh, the way uh, that you solve the problem of the military is have people pay taxes they don't actually owe. And that to me is really like they railed about him for not paying his tax for his taxes. And people really, really misunderstand this because they don't understand taxes. You know, everybody gets deducted a source and say, well, I get some money back and how could you possibly avoid it and so on. So there's tax avoidance, which is where you don't pay more than you have to. There's, and that's perfectly legal. And interestingly enough, the deduction stuff that Trump took advantage of was put in place partly by Bill Clinton, Hillary's husband. But anyway, topic for another time. But there's so there's tax uh, evasion is illegal. Tax avoidance, perfectly fine. Tax evasion is illegal. Trump did not pay taxes because he was not legally required to pay taxes. And complaining about that is like complaining that someone is stealing from visa by not using their visa that month. Uh, You know, if you don't have a bill, you don't have to pay the bill. Like why this needs to be said is beyond me.
1: Well, and again, one of the lies that continued throughout this debate was Donald Trump's not releasing his tax returns like he promised he would. Yes, he said he'd release his tax returns after the audit is done. That is what he said the entire time. This, he has not lied based on what he said. How this continues to be brought up as any type of attack is beyond me. And somehow, stuff he might have some you know, vague interest in uh, Russia, some business dealings in Russia. We're going to mercifully claim that despite the fact there being zero evidence for the fact. Well, at the same time, the Clinton Foundation and Hillary Clinton are tied to foreign governments, you know, pay for plays, been alleged in many instances and can be credibly claimed. Yet, you know, Trump might mercifully have something to do with, you know, he might own a hotel somewhere in, uh, in Russia, which he doesn't. You know, like this. This is the argument, and on the military thing as well. You know, Trump says that you know there's problems in the military, and Kane claimed that Donald Trump trashes the military. He attacks the military. He said the same thing with um, black communities. Um, He said Donald Trump claims that African Americans are living in hell. That was one of the things he threw out as an attack against Donald Trump. You know, when Donald Trump says that there's problems in the black community, Chicago with the murder rate, inner city violence, all this stuff. Yeah, I think some of those people would clearly say that they're living in a hell. And the idea that you point out a problem, and then that's interpreted, and you're attacked for saying that there's a problem, and it's interpreted as an attack? I mean, I don't... What can you say? Can you not point out any problems without it being an unjust criticism in some way, shape, or form? It's This stuff is just mind-bending.
0: Well, it is. It is. And um, this is where I think things went kind of astray as well, because... You can't have any kind of debate in America without bringing black-white racial tensions into it and police-community racial tensions in it. But it's okay. We've got the magic genie word, community policing. Poof! Everything works out fine. Sprinkle magic dust called community policing and everything's fine. And this, of course, uh, I I to some degree understand why mike pence would want to not bring this stuff because it's very explosive to the table in america but um you know when when the left brings up racial disparities in sentencing you know the, the blacks and hispanics get more and longer sentences for the same crimes as as whites and so on um it's not true you know we've got the truth about crime presentation we've done this a million times it's like one of the it's like the wage gap between men and women it's been so thoroughly debunked so many times that anyone who brings it up is just a complete hack uh, the reality of course and it's complicated. But the reality basically is once you normalize by things like um, uh, prior convictions uh, and other factors, it all completely vanishes. Uh, and so there is no disparity. Yes, a guy who has a long track record of, of committing crimes when he steals a car is going to get a long sentence than a guy who just stole the car for the first time. And so if you normalize by prior convictions and a few other things, it all goes away. But that, of course, is a very difficult case to make in the munificent 30 seconds that you're allowed to explain complex things in the american political system
1: and kane made the insinuation that you know there's bias amongst policing and of course pence shot back with you know it's kind of ridiculous when we have a black cop shooting a black guy we're going to say it's bias and racism and all that kind of thing so apparently according to kane police can be biased that's acceptable but then the idea that an indiana judge That uh, is very affiliated with certain Mexican organizations could be biased against Donald Trump in his Trump University case. That's completely – you can't even talk about that. That's
0: that's not possible at all. But that's another lie. Trump never said this guy is – he can't adjudicate my case because he's Hispanic. I got
1: the quote right here. Please do. (laughs) I have had horrible rulings. I've been treated very unfairly by this judge. Now, this judge is is of Mexican heritage. I'm building a wall, okay? I'm building a wall. He is a member of a society where, very pro-Mexico, I've had lawyers come up to me and say, you're being treated so unfairly. It's unbelievable.
0: Oh my God, can you believe he said that stuff? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, the fact that the guy is uh, affiliated with very pro-immigration policies and that Trump is uh, going to build a wall. Yes, it's real So everyone apparently in the whole universe, according to Hillary Clinton, or at least in America, every American is totally susceptible to bias, with the one magical exception of the Hispanic judge who's pro-illegal immig- or pro-immigration from Mexico, who's adjudicating over Donald Trump.
1: He's affiliated with the San Diego La Raza Lawyers Association, the Hispanic National Bar Association, the Latino Judges Association, the National Hispanic Prosecutors Association. It was previously on the Hispanic Advisory Committee for the Commission on Public Understanding of the Law. <gasps> so yes, and uh, one of the organizations, the Hispanic National Bar Association's mission statement actually includes, we are also committed to the advocacy on issues of importance to the 54-plus million people of Hispanic heritage living in the U.S. That includes the people that are here illegally, by the way. <laughs> so <laughs> the organization that he's a part of says in its mission statement that it advocates on behalf of illegals and Donald Trump is saying that, hey, there may be some bias here after some rulings he got, which he didn't think were very fair. And you can't ask that question, apparently. You can't bring it up. And we did a full presentation on this, which I'll put in the notes to this show that you should check out. It breaks down all these details pretty intricately. And our buddy at at, uh, Got News, Charles C. Johnson, did what he does and dug into the records and found out that um, certainly looks like the judge is an anchor baby. So we'll include those links below as well. But Given Donald Trump has talked about anchor babies and possibly changing that or seeing how it can be interpreted if it's actually constitutional for people that aren't citizens to come here, pop out a kid and that child is a citizen, I can see how that would possibly influence the bias of anybody. And, again, it's just the appearance of bias a judge should recuse himself. The slight appearance of bias. This is more than a slight appearance of bias. But, you know, Donald Trump can't point this out. But, of course, all police are racist bigots, even if they're black shooting a black suspect.
0: Well, in general, when people say everyone in America is racist, they mean white people. <laughs> of course. Like they, they, they never – because, you know, you would include the Raza guy. It started off, you know, pretty badly for me in that I thought it was, you know, the moderator who I didn't think was particularly great – but she asked uh, Kane, right? She said basically, you know, 60% of people don't trust Hillary. And he was like, I do, because, and then it was just like reading off this generic goo pamphlet of, well, she just does a spring dance and, and you know, pa- passes off her daffodils to the wind currents because she just wants to make people's lives better. And it's like, that's like, and she didn't say, but you haven't answered the question let's go back to 60% of people don't trust Hillary. Why do you think that is? And what can be done about it? And he's like, well, I trust them. And it's like, okay, so you're only representing 40% of the US population, the other 60% can go to hell, right? But but when Donald Trump, you know, he got hammered on questions, Tim Kaine, his initial opening statement was just a giant big rolling bag of political goo non-speak. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, Moving on, you know, and it's like, don't you stop. Like this is to me was bad about the moderator because the moderator should reflect the, the audience and the audience don't care where you are, left, right or middle or anywhere somewhere else. The guy didn't even remotely answer the question. It was a complete goo ball dodge and she just didn't notice it or didn't care or what.
1: Yep, yep. And at the same time where Pence will be trying to ask questions, you know, she would interrupt him on a constant basis. And of course, Kane would interrupt Pence on a constant basis. Pence didn't interrupt Kane too much. And it's just like, oh, my God, it's she was a lot better than Holt. But, you know, just the way it was set up with the interruptions and everything and her not drawing a line in the sand and saying no mas, you know, it certainly was a negative, a negative in the actual context of the debate for Pence. But I think it played out as a positive for the Trump-Pence camp because Kane just looked like such a jerk interrupting every five seconds.
0: It was nice to see the national debt finally brought up. I don't expect to see it in the presidential debate maybe maybe it will but um, it was fascinating to see the national debt actually brought up and the answers is exactly what you'd expect right uh, on the republican side right on the pen side it was we need to reduce taxes we need to cut regulation we need to have better trade deals we need to make sure that there are jobs in america so we get people off welfare off unemployment into productive positions where instead of consuming society's resources they're adding to them and that's how we're going to grow our way out now there is a little bit of pixie dust, right? I believe in the Laffer curve. I think it's been well-established, right? You cut taxes, you actually get more revenue in the government over time. It is, a, you know, the debt situation is so serious that I think imagining that you're only going to be able to grow your way out, um, I don't know. I mean, that's that's going to need Andre the Giant hitting puberty kind of growth rates. <laughs> There's a little wrestling reference for you there. But, um, so, but you know, it's certainly more credible than what Keynes said. Uh, Keynes just basically said, well, the government will hire a whole bunch of people. And we're going to repeat that until either national debt goes away or we collapse into a Weimar-style hyperinflation, bringing a truly terrifying totalitarian demagogue to the front of the queue.
1: (laughs) And we're going to raise Um, payroll taxes. So that's – we're going to hire more people, more government employees, and raise payroll taxes, and Social Security will be solved. Okay.
0: Wasn't it a terrible soundbite where he's like, well, Donald Trump is the you're fired candidate and Hillary Clinton is the you're hired candidate? I mean – First of all, he fired people who were underperforming, so I don't think people mind that too much. And also, the idea that you're going to be hired by Hillary Clinton, I mean, I'm not sure how many people actually want to work for her, but – I mean, who aren't seriously associated with the Muslim Brotherhood. But anyway, I don't know how many people want to work for her, but just the very idea that it's Hillary Clinton who's going to be hiring you, which is a government job, which is, you know, I mean – people get that that's not an answer, right? The government hiring people does not add to your wealth. It subtracts from it. Well, this whole – these buzzwords that are carefully engineered,
1: I mean, they haven't figured out that they don't work yet. You know, in the year of Donald Trump, the plain-spoken quasi-politician, that people are gravitating to. We're still getting stuff like trumped up, trickle down economics, which, you know, sounds exactly like it came from a focus group that said, yeah, that's OK. I mean, we got
0: it's like the voodoo economics thing from the 90s, right?
1: Voodoo. Yeah, we got deportation nation from Kane in this one. That was another one. We got the Mount Rushmore of foreign dictators There are a bunch of these. It's just like, OK, I, I get that you sat down, came up with that. And some people said, yeah, that's a good idea. And you probably paid them way too much money. But this stuff doesn't work anymore. The, anything that sounds canned and pre-scripted, I mean, it's OK. You know, you're just you're trying to score cheap political points. And yeah, you know, a catchphrase like build the ball <laughs> that, that actually goes to a specific policy that the vast majority of the American populace wants. That can work. I don't know that, you know, people are going to exactly be hearkening that we build the, the Mount Rushmore of foreign dictators.
0: Well, and deportation nation, I think, works against what the Democrats want, because Trump's whole argument is, if you don't have borders, you don't have a nation. Mm-hmm. So when they say deportation nation, they're associating the idea of having a nation with the deportation of people who are in the country illegally. It seems to me that they're kind of serving the Trumpian narrative at that point. Well, and
1: then Kane, of course, tried to paint the imagery of, you know, in Trump's America, people are going to be going house to house, school to school, you know, they're going to create this deportation force. It's just going to, you know, rip children out of beds kind of thing. And, you know, Pence shot back and said, you know, we already have a deportation force. We have immigration and customs enforcement. And by the way, in an unprecedented stance, they actually endorsed Donald Trump. So, again, this is just scaremongering fear imagery. You know, the same as all the nuclear weapons talk, which we can get to in a bit. You know, Donald, see Donald Trump's unstable. He's going to just send people door to door and it's going to be like, you know, Nazi Germany and blah, blah, blah. Oh, it's it's just so tired. In ninety minutes of it, I mean
0: And that's of course not how it's gonna happen at all. But I mean people are just gonna self-deport because the opportunities aren't there. The you change the incentives, you change the behavior. Everybody understands that. And dear God alive, can no matter what your politics, can we just, you know, as the old saying goes, the beginning of wisdom is to call things by their proper names. They're not undocumented immigrants. See, immigrants go through the paperwork, they're in compliance with the law, and they're there legally undocumented means you have broken the law you are doing the opposite of being an immigrant it literally is the black white square circle up down fire ice you know shoplifters are not undocumented shoppers undocumented immigrants is an oxymoron and it really takes a huge amount of shovel worthy stupidity to be able to swallow that or speak it uh, without breaking into hysterical fits of anti-rationality
1: yeah completely agree Now, something that kept getting brought up besides, you know, the Russia point was this idea that Donald Trump, you know, just wants everyone to have nuclear weapons. And shockingly, folks, I know this will surprise you. You know, the people that watch The Untruth About Donald Trump, he never said anything remotely close to that. this, This quote and this line of attack primarily comes from something he did with Anderson Cooper, where he was talking about the fact that, that Trump was talking about the fact that the American public is the policeman of the world and you know defends people and by treaty is obligated to come to defense of countries not be compensated for it and how that's got to end given that the United States has such a large amount of debt you know we can 't be the policeman of the world that's a very popular position uh, for Donald Trump and of course coming with defense in countries you know defending themselves possibly you know Anderson Cooper had to bring up nuclear weapons now. Trump, <laughs> Trump said, yes, absolutely, Saudi Arabia should be able to defend itself. That's essentially what he said. Anderson Cooper jumped over him and said, nuclear weapons, nuclear weapons? And Trump was in the middle of his sentence, and the absolutely came out after Cooper jumped in with nuclear weapons, nuclear weapons. So then immediately after that, Anderson Cooper said, you would be fine with them having nuclear weapons? And Trump said, no, not nuclear weapons, but they have to protect themselves or they have to pay us. And that, that just went on like that. So that has been interpreted as Donald Trump wants to give Saudi Arabia nuclear weapons. I mean, the the amount of lies and nonsense that is boiled down just in that little paragraph of quotes and the interpretations by the media, I mean, I get that you want to get Donald Trump and nuclear weapons and unstable temperament, Ah! Into every single interview and try and trip them up so you can have comments like that so people play into the, you know, Donald Trump's dark. It was a dark speech. You know, we should fear. (laughs) I, I get that that's where they're trying to go. It's so transparent. It's so boring. It's bullshit. It's bad for you. And anyone that believes it and doesn't push back on that stuff, you're just part of the problem.
0: Well, also, is Anderson Cooper or the media as a whole, I guess, including Tim Kaine, are they suggesting that Saudi Arabia is such a despicable, evil regime that they should in no ways ever be allowed to have nuclear weapons? But it's fine if they donate huge amounts of money to the Clinton Foundation. Oh, and yes, we should take huge numbers of immigrants from Saudi Arabia. I don't understand which one it is. And if you're a
1: Democrat, you should you know keep up the legal shield so they can't be sued for possible involvement in 9-11. Absolutely. Oh, God. <laughs>
0: Oh, mad, mad! I don't, I don't get the Russia thing. I mean, it it literally is like for me a revolving door back to when I was eighteen and the Cold War was was still going on. You know that that was the, that was the eighties for me. Hair gel, perhaps a little too much, as you can see now, uh, and and the Cold War, and it's like now it's back to hating on Russia uh, because Russia is so. What, anti-gay or something like that? Well, you know, they're not throwing them off buildings like they are in the Middle East and other places uh, where there seems to be uh, uh, some pretty negative feelings towards homosexuals. So it's just one of these weird things. Like there's no consistency in any of this. It's like, oh, you, you would dislike res- regimes who are anti-gay. I can understand that. Why don't you try applying that consistently? Because that seems kind of important. No. No. <laughs> Two worlds that never touch. Well, and, of course, Trump's comments on Putin and versus Obama, he was
1: saying that, you know, Putin seems to stand up for his country from a nationalist standpoint, comparing to Obama, who's been far more of a globalist, you know, who has, in many cases, injured the interests of America on a world stage. That's what he was saying. You know, again, it comes down to nationalism versus globalism, which is the theme of this election. And you know, somehow that was into Donald Trump loves everything that Vladimir Putin has ever done and, you know, their best buddies and he loves dictators and Mount Rushmore of foreign terrors and that whole kind of thing. Well at the same time you have Hillary Clinton who is actively agitating towards World War three with Russia. Like, that—that mm. that is on the table. Not just on the table. She's going that way. Yeah, keep trying to provoke Vladimir Putin, someone who doesn't take nonsense, and someone who is going to need to defend himself in some way, shape, or form to maintain the position of strength. That's going to go really well, folks. That's going to go great. All this stuff that happened in Syria recently, we just did a video on that not too long ago, Well, the United States in the middle of this, you know, tentatively put-together ceasefire that Russia put together. Um, You know, U.S. bombs Syrian military forces for the first time. Oops, we didn't mean to! You know, like, this this is not headed in a positive direction. The idea that we could possibly get along with Russia, and by we, I mean the United States on a global stage, great, great, because I'll tell you what, I'm of a military age, if there's a draft, I don't want to fight a war with Russia. (laughs) Is Russia the greatest place ever? Well, no. But you know what? I don't want to go to war with Russia. Hillary Clinton seems to really, really, really want to go to war with Russia. And given uh, the story that came out regarding, what was it, Steph, Libya, and the peace deal that was worked out between the United States and Libya that Hillary Clinton pretty much said no mas to and then still overthrew Gaddafi and led to, you know, what we now know as the migrant crisis, because her feels. She didn't like it. We'll link to that below. It's a great story by Paul Joseph Watson that just came out. Hillary Clinton, from a foreign policy standpoint, is dangerous. And, you know, I'm tired of war. I'm tired of people getting blown up. I'm tired of paying for people getting blown up. I'm tired of seeing all this nonsense. And, you know, the fact that we might get along with foreign countries that may not be the greatest. Okay, fine. Hillary can get along with Saudi Arabia. Maybe Trump can get along with Russia. It's not the worst thing on the
0: planet. Well, here's the thing. I mean, when you make a a statement regarding the relative influence of people, that is not a moral judgment on the content of that influence. Like, I can go back to 1937 or 1938, and I could say Hitler had a stronger presence on the world stage than Chamberlain. You're pro-Hitler! Oh my Yeah, goodness. oh, you just love Hitler. You want to marry him. You want to get something out of uh, a Sandra Bullock movie, right? I mean, no, it's it's a statement of fact that, that um, uh, Putin has a stronger presence on the world stage, a more influential presence on the world stage than Obama. Now, you may agree or disagree with that, but there's no value judgment in that whatsoever. But maybe because he's a white nationalist standing up for his country, that. You know that's the that's the enemy uh, of everything to do with the left. I don't know. I mean, it's I mean the left has always, has always hated Russia because uh, at least since since communism fell because it was supposed to be their lab for the perfect society uh, and um, you know they they screwed up communism and gave it a bad rap. So I guess they just hate them. For, they didn't have any problem with Russia when it was communist. Now that it's nationalist, they seem to have a huge problem because it's a pushback against globalism and it gives people the idea that well wh- why am we a little bit more like Russia? They seem to be you know not self detonating in the same way that Europe is, yeah. God, so uh,
1: that's that's pretty much all I have to say about this debate. It was a thoroughly unenjoyable experience to watch, and it wasn't because of Mike Pence. You know, it's just no, but that's enjoyable,
0: Mike. This is what I understand. I mean, no, it, I, if it, that is enjoyable, that is enjoyable for me. I and mean, I don't want to tell you how to feel or anything like that, but I mean, the fact that he was like, you know, uh, the other day, um, I'm sitting in the uh, on, in, on a hammock and I'm, I'm reading a story to my daughter, and there's a wasp flying around. And now, you know, sometimes wasps, they just kind of come in, they do the little hummy thing, and then they just buzz off somewhere else. But this one, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. And you can't, after a while, you just kind of concentrate, and it's like, okay, we're just going indoors because the wasp is being an asshole. And um, that to me was, you know, every time he interrupted, I'm like, great job. And every time that uh, Mike Pence mentioned Hillary Clinton's Swiss cheese server, um, oh, oh, interruption, email server. Interruption.
1: We got to cut that off. Yeah. Somehow
0: got to cut that. So I was just like beautiful. Guys, keep doing what you're doing. Tim Kaine, please interrupt some more. Uh moderator, please interrupt only Mike Pence and in particular when he's talking about Hillary servers because that's exactly what you should have been talking about already uh in the past debate and this debate and so on and pursuing the topic. Uh so I thought it was it was just lovely, you know, when you um when you want people to fail and they do such an admirable job that you don't have to lift much of a finger, you know, it uh, they take the load off your back. <laughs>
1: Well, I guess in that standpoint, thank you, Tim Kaine, for your deplorable performance. And, uh, you know, Mike Pence held up his end of the deal, sat there, looked like a very 1950s-ish figure, which, you know, doesn't hurt, given that that's Make America Great Again, seemingly what Donald Trump wants to go back to. But uh, as far as uh, actual enjoying watching people sit up and talk, it was not enjoyable. But yeah, I think this seriously hurt the Clinton campaign to the degree that what oftentimes is an inconsequential vice presidential debate can hurt a campaign.
0: Yeah, I mean, my whole thought uh, when I was uh, watching the debate is, and this is why, at dinner parties, you separate the adult table from the children's table, uh, and that was. And the th- one last point I wanted to make was, it is it is absolutely wonderful to finally see people on the left trusting people to make their own incredibly crucial life decisions. Oh yes. You know, like it's just because normally the left doesn't seem to trust anyone as far as they can throw them. They got to tell you what to think. They got to tell you how to spend your money, where it should go, what to do, all these regulations. You can't make any good decisions for yourself. You've got to be controlled and, and put into boxes because, you know, left to your own devices, you're going to set fire to the world. So it was really, really wonderful to see the left break with that tradition of micromanaging you with the grim imprint of the Doc Martin boot of fascism and saying, well, it's really, really important to respect people's ability to make the big decisions in their life that matter to them. Now, that having been said, it would have been slightly nicer if it wasn't about killing unborn children. That's the only minor, that's the little asterisk. Nice to see you giving people a choice. It'd also be nice to give the close-to-term baby a choice, that may be a topic for another time, but uh, it's nice to know they can. Now we just have to get them to do it in areas that aren't quite so fraught with tension and might actually give people a little bit more liberty on a day-to-day basis and also might occasionally extend to men as well. That was sort of the last thing I wanted to mention.
1: We trust you to make decisions. Okay, I don't want to pay for federally funded abortions. Hey!
0: That's a decision you're
1: not allowed to make. Okay, great.
0: You you can make decisions about killing an unborn child. Can I choose my own health care? No! (laughs) No!
1: Can I choose my own school for my children? Do. No.
0: No. <laughs> Can I choose to not use the post? No. <laughs> right? No, absolutely not. And there was so, one minor yeah.
1: point there, too, um, that I want to bring up because it kind of slipped by, but Kane called the New York terrorist homegrown. Now, he was a naturalized immigrant from Afghanistan. That doesn't, I mean, I don't know how you're going to define homegrown, but.
0: The... <gasps> Maybe he's from Afghanistan. <laughs> Let's get Trump on this birth of controversy. Maybe Tim Kaine was born – oh my goodness, maybe he is the son of Osama Bin Laden, born in a cave in Afghanistan, so it's home to him. That's
1: just as accurate as half the shit they threw at uh, Donald Trump in the context of this debate, so hey, why it's not? It's food for thought. <laughs> hey, do you have proof that he wasn't born in Afghanistan? Do you have proof <laughs> that Donald Trump's taxes don't contain foreign interests and Russian donations and blah, blah, blah? Oh, God, help me. That's it. I'm done.
0: So – we we will continue to take these bullets so, you know, obviously you can go and watch the debate. And I think it's interesting to watch. I mean, uh, there's a lot of character involved. There's a lot of snippy, snipey crap involved or whatever. But I thought it was fine. I thought it was interesting. It held my interest sometimes a little bit more even than the presidential debate. But um, I think it's well worth for people to watch. Uh, we look forward to your comments below, of course. Please help support the show. You know, these these bullets that, that, that we take from <laughs> the mainstream media debates. give me a donation debates. for watching this, please. Yeah. It, it, just send them straight to Mike because I, I think uh, the, I enjoyed it a lot more than Mike did uh, for Mike. It was like appendicitis. Oh, we can't take you to the ho- hospital, but here are some pliers and a rusty spoon. But, uh, yeah, so if you can help out the show, we'd really appreciate it at freedomainradio.com slash donate. Follow uh, me on Twitter uh, at Stefan Molyneux. Thanks, everyone, so much. We look forward to your comments below. We will see you for the next debate.